Are you pregnant or a new mother steering parenthood? Pregnancy and birth of a baby is a life-changing event, an event that will make you happy, weepy, frustrated, joyous and exasperated all at once. Hi, welcome to my podcast Baby Ahoy. I'm your host, birth coach and expert Chitra Natarajan. I'm a birth enthusiast who loves drinking cups of chai, taking long walks in the woods and all things interiors in equal measure. I will be talking to an interviewee every other week to discuss birthing experiences, coping with the new role of being a parent and other valuable topics to navigate parenthood. This journey is bumpy but certainly blissful. Join me from wherever you are for a fun conversation. Thank you for being here Maya. I know that we met last year for the course with uh, with hypnobirthing. The reason why I wanted you to be part of the podcast is because of the VBAC that you actually attempted, the vaginal birth after a C-section. So just to sort of start this conversation, why don't you say a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself and say, you know, you're from India and you know about you and your partner Gaurav. <laughs> Thanks Chitra. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, talking to you as always. I am from India. Uh Gaurav and I have been in the Netherlands now for uh, close to 5 years. Okay. He's been here for slightly longer. Right. Uh we met in India where we did our engineering together. Okay. Um and we've uh, known each other for now like 20 years I oh think. My goodness, so we yeah. dated for about uh, 10 years or 8 years I think before we got married. Sure. We've been married 10 years and then we moved to Europe a year after we got married. So right. uh, we did a lot of um exploring uh, Europe traveling around holiday etc um we decided to postpone having the uh, a baby even though we knew we wanted a baby <laughs> sure. for as long as possible um and i think 5 uh, years 5 and a half years ago was when we had nena uh, right. uh, first uh, daughter i was pregnant when i was in france so um that's where uh, so were you guys uh, based out of paris at the time yes okay so i was based in paris uh, god was not there but he was there through the the pregnancy because right. he was in a, a different country but um i followed the american system because i went to the american hospital in uh, in paris okay uh, so there were regular like you know checkups every month i uh, went through you know a lo- large part of uh, like the pregnancy was through scanning internal checkups very different from the second experience but right. um i i i think um, when i was about 32 weeks uh, pregnant i decided that i would go back to india to okay. uh, deliver the baby was there a specific reason as to why you decided to do that yeah, and not so- have her in Paris I think uh, starting with uh, the fact that we were both in two different countries in mm-hmm. Europe so it felt like you know being in a common ground was easier because we also wanted to figure out where we would go after sure. so w- which country we would raise her in where we sure. would be but also she was breech okay. um and uh, I mean while the the gynecologist there said uh, yeah there's a possibility she will turn but yeah you know the amniotic fluid isn't um, too much your um, you know mm-hmm. I was uh, relatively narrow uh, so uh, he said the chances of her turning are uh, lesser but you can try right so i said okay if uh, i was going to potentially have a, a c section then i want to do it with a lot of support which meant uh, you know being around family in of india course, of course. so i went home to my mom okay <laughs> and uh, that's where um, i had uh, nena but uh, so home is bangalore with with your mom correct yeah. yes back to bangalore i went into labor um, like relatively early okay. i went 38 weeks okay. and something okay. um so i uh, went into labor went to the hospital kept praying still that uh, you 
know, she would turn. In India, of course, they don't do anything in any procedures to turn the baby in the womb uh, prior to going into labor. Sure. I had done a lot of these exercises, you know, playing music near my vagina to hope okay. that she will turn a lot of these things, uh, which she didn't. But when I uh, went into labor, then I sort of knew, I think, that, you know, she was going to... Uh, be a C-section, C-section baby. baby. But Gaudav and I, you know, we waited it out. They said, you know, you can wait for a, a few hours to right. see uh, if the contractions in any way, you know, encourage her to turn. So we spent that time. And, and I think for me at that point in time, I hadn't done any like birthing preparation because I was sure that, you know, I only need to focus on the postpartum because it is a, a going to be a C-section. And then uh, she was born through a C-section. Right. I had a, a surgery. Uh, Gaudav was the, the first one to hold her after she was sort of like wrapped up and everything by the the doctors there Uh, I got to touch her nose with my nose but uh, uh, that was it Uh, right right. (laughs) and and how was that for you in terms of a recovery as a process you know after a Uh, c-section I mean I've heard a lot of mums say that the c-section recovery was not so bad for them but I think for me it was really bad I mean more than anything it felt crippling that every time I needed to hold Nana I needed you know someone to pick her up and give her to me because I wasn't able to bend and pick her up Mm. so every time I needed to feed her I needed my mother or Gaurav to pick her up and give her to me I needed help to sort of or not help but time to get off the bed even to go to the the toilet recovery was painful and I also had like a large sense of guilt in terms of taking pain medication so you know I kept thinking if I take you know too much of this like painkiller even though the doctors had said it was okay mm. I, d- I didn't feel like I knew enough to like know whether how much was okay to sort of manage the pain so um, th- is it is it because that you know you were also breastfeeding her that you were feeling guilty that if you take the pain medication that you're probably exactly yeah yeah so because of that but also I mean and this is the thing that no one tells you right so like postpartum you're recovering from the c-section but you can't focus on yourself because the baby needs constant exactly. uh, support yeah plus with all the postpartum, the books that I had read on what to expect, uh, you know, after the baby was born, no one tells you how hard breastfeeding is. There's this guilt of if you don't breastfeed, then, you know, your child doesn't get enough immunity, which I I think is a little bit... uh, um, yeah. yeah I'm not sure it's uh, yeah, really the yeah. right message to give yeah. to all mums <laughs> see I also think like you know I think over a period of time now there is more and more awareness about breastfeeding and postpartum and I have come to a point where I always say let's look at the mother's physical recovery and also mother's mental health Yeah, because there's so much of guilt around it and I remember you know when I had to feed uh, Dwani um, breastfeed Dwani I had it so much more harder because nobody spoke to me about breastfeeding yeah. and I also saw my mum breastfeed my brother so I always thought that you know how bad that's going to be yeah whereas I struggled with really? the whole thing yeah. and also a lot of the times a stranger would a perfect stranger would come and say things like oh but I, I hope you're still breastfeeding or somebody will come and say that oh don't worry about breastfeeding because you can always formula feed there's nothing wrong so it's not black and white it's so yeah. you know gray and and you have to figure out what works for you as a mother what works for your baby and as a family and the mental health nobody talks about that so yeah. I completely understand where you're coming from it's that guilt that's sort of consumes you yeah because you logically you know that you know you can always sort of like you know there are other options but emotionally you're not there because your prolactin is secreting Absolutely. at the time where you want to feed the baby but it's so much more harder yeah and and also with the surgery what would happen if normally one person would have a surgery you have a surgery and everybody says that you need time to recuperate 
C-section is a huge surgery, but where is the time to recuperate? Yeah. Because you're the mother, you still have to do your, you know, your change role. the and diapers, <laughs> yeah. feed the baby, exactly. the sleepless nights. Yeah. So yeah. I think uh, for me that like the whole initial period, I'm so glad that my mom and aunt and, uh, you know, my husband, all of them were there to really help. That made all the difference. But it also made me feel like never again, I'm not having any more babies because wow. I can't go through this recovery process again Um, you know one surgery is enough and uh, this is right and I think in India the general trend uh, is that if you have a c-section the first time around the second time is typically a c-section a v-back is not a a very common thing uh, or at least as I understood it right Right. Uh, so for me it was uh, never again no more babies (laughs) yeah yeah because you know it's 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 really hard because you're going through that process of recovering from a huge surgery plus it's also that you know that you wanting to be there for the baby but not being able to do just as you said you know it was crippling that I was actually dependent on someone else to actually help me even pick up the baby yeah and I think all of that as independent as we are being dependent on someone else for these things can also be very very challenging for yes, us yeah yeah really. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, of course yeah. uh, three four years yes. later we said hmm, maybe we want another baby uh, sure. to uh, add to the the family it also was a big push from uh, Nana because she kept saying all my friends in daycare have a, a little baby brother or sister <laughs> I want a sister so I said well I can't oh, control she that clear. <laughs> she wanted a sister yeah, but um, we said okay. So you know, and uh, it it happened uh, quite uh, quickly for us both pregnancies. So we were really glad. Uh, and this time around, we were in the Netherlands. Right. So I think this is where we realized that the system is completely different because uh, we had uh, a, a taste of how it was in uh, Paris, but primarily with the American uh, hospital, and we had, of course, uh, knowledge of how it worked in India. So I think in the the Dutch system, that's where I think we were when we found out that we were. Uh, pregnant and you know after the initial phase we said okay we've done no preparation in the past in terms of the child birthing process itself right so this time around assuming that you know she is well placed uh, the baby to like turn and hopefully she will this time yeah you know she won't be breached we really need a course to plan for child birthing right, right, <laughs> and right. understanding the system yeah yeah <laughs> of course of course and I remember that you know when you sort of like sent me an email saying that you know that you would like to actually register for the course but you're also sort of waiting to see how this would all sort of fall in place because yeah. you know you have an older ki- older kid and you want to make sure that you know she's taken care of when the both of you need to come for classes so yeah the, so that's how we met you know <laughs> saying that you know you wanted to actually sort of like you know be yeah. part of the course and uh, yeah go ahead and share about what happened with the with the vaginal birth because I knew that when the both of you were signing up that your idea of birth was something that you wanted something different from the last time you were also open to the fact that if it is going to be a c-section I'm okay with it but I'd like to attempt I'd like to try my best to try and see how I can actually give birth to this baby vaginally yeah Um, you know you were very determined I knew that No, but I think, uh, I mean, uh, you know, when I wrote to you, uh, Chitta, we were also into uh, the pregnancy a few months in and we knew that she could turn and that for me was an important part of planning uh, on what I wanted to focus on. Should I focus on postpartum help or Mm. uh, focus on the birthing process itself, depending on how it was going to turn out. Yeah. But also, I think a lot of what I read uh, on, uh, you know, your blogs and uh, the site was what helped me make the decision that I wanted to come to you, which was uh, because you spoke about 
how irrespective of how the birthing goes which is exactly what you just said right in terms of even if it turns out to be a, a c section how do you make sure that you are empowered enough to know what your options are right. how do you ask for the right things and a big thing was how to navigate the dutch medical system because um, i mean while we've been here uh, for a few years i don't think we've had the need and thankfully uh, to you know be uh, or use the the system too much so sure. other than the regular house arts so for me it was very important that i understand what the process would be etc and i think and this is really where it like floored us yes. uh, because the first few classes i think the start itself the first um, hour that we spent with you was a lot about the physical sort of aspects of what happens and what you go through as part of the the birthing process right and that makes a huge difference because we've all studied science but i yeah. think you know a refresher on um, knowing exactly what is happening and sure. why certain types of feelings or pain or like men- thoughts are a part of that process, process. the birthing process yeah. makes such a difference in the way you uh, approach it I yeah. think yeah. and uh, I, it was an eye opener for me but more than for me I think for Gaurav who was kind of skeptical uh, at the start <laughs> before we um, you know started our course he was completely floored so he was uh, completely uh, he became an evangelist of uh, <laughs> oh my god yeah the, the course for sure at the end of it because it was about how we approach it together and how important the role of a partner is in this whole thing which yes. we realized also during the the course of the the birthing process, process with the yeah. yeah okay yeah and see the other thing that i wanted to actually ask because you know when you were saying that you know navigating the different system because you know you opted to go into a yeah. hospital the american hospital so it was very american style yeah. um you know being in paris and here the system in itself is very different you yeah. know as soon as you found out that you were pregnant you went to a local midwife, midwife. isn't it True. so that in itself would have been like something completely different for the both of you Yeah. saying that oh what are we actually doing uh, so how was that experience for you going to a midwife very uh, strange in the sense that but also very liberating because in the American hospital or at least in uh, I think the other system it's very scans driven so mm. we basically had like scans and checkups every month mm. uh, it was a fixed routine where we would go we would get like you know I would either have an internal or external examination mm. and to know how the pregnancy was, uh, progressing. was progressing Yeah. versus over here one i mean you would meet the midwife often enough and you could call them whenever you had a concern but all they did was feel your belly yes. and they just touched you and they said okay yeah you're doing great how do you feel and if you feel great you must be doing great and that is it and the first time i was like is that it are you going to like you know check the fetus are you going to and she said no um, i mean you're doing great uh, the heartbeat is great so you know all you is well yeah. yeah and for me and then when i read up about it it's also one of those things where you say that you know an invasive you know check or a scan is really uh, not needed and could potentially even be harmful right yeah, so it's so baby. great that it feels natural over here yeah. that 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 entire process of course uh, while i went through that midwifery system for the first uh, few months because i had had the previous c section i did need to go to a hospital after 36 weeks right. i think so but until 36 weeks you were still yeah, going to a midwife yeah i was midwife. still going to, to the midwife. midwife and the midwife then followed me postpartum as well so they Perfect. knew me and uh, you know that was really great but also i think i mean when i went to the hospital i realized then the, the stark difference right because when you go to a hospital it does become a little more clinical yes. uh, because i think the the gynecologists and you know they are a, a lot more um, medical yes. if i may say yes. like in uh, terms of it doesn't feel as natural but again when 
when you actually go in for the birthing process, you have midwives at the hospital right. who are actually doing the the actual birthing with you, right. which is then back to feeling a lot more natural. And and also, I think this is for me, you know, the lighting, the the things that you can control when you go in into yeah. a birthing process in yeah. uh, in the Netherlands is fabulous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because when we come from you know different parts of the world, and and we are, we are used to a certain things like going to a doctor, going to a surgery, going in for something else. Say back in India, or if you're from the US or anywhere else, that's very different from what you would actually get here. Yeah, because it's always about empowering mothers, and it's always about looking for cues from the mothers. And it's the same thing during your monthly checks as well. It's about looking at you and saying that are you feeling okay? The baby's heartbeat seems to be okay. They are touching and feeling, and it means that the baby is actually growing okay. So they would always look at the mother to find out. You know, getting cues from the mother rather than actually doing anything invasive. You know, yeah. um, and it feels so old school. Yes, but maybe that you know that, that definitely helps. helps. Yeah. yeah, and I also always say this: the Dutch are the firm believers of you know personal responsibility and freedom. So you have to do your own research and come up and you know ask for more information for sure. them to actually give you something. Otherwise, the only thing that the normal conversation would be is everything okay and are you feeling all right? You might end up talking about you know I'm having aches and pains or is it okay for me to have a paracetamol or not? in some yeah. of these situations but that's about it and then if you're sort of walking out of the midwifery office thinking that but why is she not giving me anything else is because everything is okay you're healthy and the baby is healthy so this is what we call as the first line of care mm, you know going yeah. to a midwife and if you've had a very healthy pregnancy and the baby is healthy then it doesn't necessarily have to be a medicalized event No but I think for me that was why I mean also the course yeah. uh, really helped me feel empowered right. because when I went I knew I was going to go to the hospital to actually do the the birthing process and then as you said You, they don't give. I mean, the information is not voluntarily given at most times, right? It's yeah. usually based on if you ask a question or you have an opinion and you state it, then it's respected. Correct. But to know what to ask and yeah. what opinions to give, yeah. I mean, for uh, Gaurav and me both, we didn't have. any knowledge of what we can ask for and what is okay and what is not, not okay yeah. um, and i think for me that was like the most useful part of know, knowing hmm. um you know what my options could be what i could ask for what i could demand for what i could sort of veto and say no i don't <laughs> want it so that yeah. you know it really makes you feel in charge and for me i'm one of those people who likes to plan and sure. uh, you know uh, so uh, and i know that usually like the the giving birth process is not so uh, well your uh, no. yeah and it's not really <laughs> in your control and the fact that i like to be in control yeah. that means that uh, you know planning ahead and knowing everything and being able to create that you know the birthing plan discussions based on that makes a huge a difference. difference absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so that was a, a really uh, great part about it but also i waited for a really long time before i could go into labor with uh, nana it was fairly early mm-hmm. so i think 38, 38 weeks, weeks and yeah. um, i uh, went into uh, labor yeah. 38 plus something here i assumed it would be similar because of course uh, you know your body knows and yeah, your yeah, body yeah, does yeah. the same thing and it's completely different, different. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, i went with um, i think at 40 weeks or 41 weeks um, i was uh, starting to get really nervous because i went to the doctor and they said okay so if we have to induce uh, mm-hmm. you and usually before 42 weeks we will induce you then the chances of a v back are um, slightly lesser and i was so keen on a vaginal delivery one because uh, you know i didn't have any 
family around. Um, Gaurav and I had decided to brave it out and, uh, you know, do it together. But we also had an older one to think about who sure. we would have to give attention to. And she of had course. school and all of, of that. So then I really needed my recovery to be quicker. So I was really hoping to have a vaginal delivery. But also I think just the feeling of, you know, I had been through a C-section and of course I had a, a beautiful baby girl. But uh, I, I really wanted to experience uh, birthing, uh, you know, uh, through, the, through the, the natural, sure. more natural way of uh, sure. doing it. Sure. Uh, so for me, a vaginal delivery was something I was really praying for. So when they told me that, you know, if you, you were to be induced, the mm. chances of, uh, you know, a VBAC are less likely. It made me very nervous about uh, being induced. So I kept thinking, okay, so I'm going to eat all of the, the dates. I'm going to do all of the, the <laughs> raspberry tea. Yeah. All of the things that could help uh, with uh, speeding it up. I ate spicy food, but unfortunately, as an Indian, I always eat, eat spicy, spicy food. <laughs> so then uh, um, it wasn't too much of a, a difference. Um, uh, I, I'm just going to interject, you know, interject here and ask you about this one. So because you, uh, with Naina's birth, and the baby had, hadn't actually turned, you know, so it yeah. was a breech baby. And at what point did Thea turn? Do you remember the number of weeks? So when you sort of heard that the baby has already turned, that must have been like the sigh of relief for you as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think it was fairly early. Mm. I can't remember the exact uh, number of weeks, but it was fairly early when she turned, but she hadn't yet engaged. Um, So they said there's still a possibility. And I had a lot, and this time, like very different from the first time, I had a lot of amniotic fluid. In fact, more than I should. And the first time around, I had lesser. (laughs) So they said also because of that, there's a possibility she could turn back. Mm. But for now, she is, uh, you know, uh, head down. down. I mean, I was quite active during this time because I had an older toddler to run behind. Behind. Of course. Uh, so I am. I don't know what it is, but thankfully she like continued to stay down. Stay like, down. I can't remember the, the exact. exact uh, no, no, that's movie. okay. I was just a bit curious. And also for you to sort of like you know with this pregnancy go beyond say thirty eight weeks because yeah. thirty eight weeks was when yeah, Nana decided yeah. to come. Because I remember having this conversation with the both of you, and you said that you know I hope this baby actually stays beyond thirty eight weeks. But what if I go into labor early on, just like yeah. you know uh, Nana? But again, I think it's also that when you're sort of like going week after. Say yeah. it's always a bit like oh okay I've hit this milestone and I need to actually wait for some more time how is that for you though? I think the last mile is always the one where you're the most <laughs> impatient Correct. because you're big you're uncomfortable but you're also just waiting to see the, the baby everyone tells you and everyone told me enjoy the sleep you know enjoy the rest because I had also started the mandatory maternity leave yeah. in the Netherlands so I was off work I was Netflixing I was relaxing <laughs> I was eating good food so I was doing all of that and for the first week that's all great and then you start getting impatient for me, I think that the time when I started getting really nervous was around 40 weeks. Mm. Because by then, I was so sure that I would go into labor. Plus, I had had so many friends and family members messaging me and Gaurav regularly saying, is the baby here? And I was like, yeah, you, you will hear pressure. when the baby Maybe is come. here. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so I think that made, us, uh, made me nervous. Gaurav kept saying, you know, just relax. And while I really wanted a a vaginal delivery, I knew that if I had a C-section, at least based on whatever we had discussed, the gentle C-section way uh, was what I would want. I had also discussed that uh, as part of my birthing plan in terms of wanting skin-to-skin contact and, you know, some of these things. So I knew that I would have that. And it was not going to be too bad if it was going to be a C-section. 
but I still hoped and prayed that it would speed up and come quicker. Worst case, uh, you know, I wasn't able to go through with a a vaginal delivery and it would be a C-section. But I um, was very keen um, that... You know, it happens quick. I was impatient. So I think by 40 weeks, uh, and I think that's when I also spoke with you, Chitra, because I said, oh, the baby is not here yes, yet. Yes, yes. Um, but I there was a sense of panic in a way. Like, <laughs> why is this not happening? I thought that I never thought that I would be pregnant for this long a time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think if I eat one more date in my life, <laughs> I would... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had uh, had so much of the the you know the required things to say. Okay, come on, cervix, open up. Right. Uh, but I think for me, the thing that and I, I, I believe that what really triggered it was the the acupuncture uh, thing that you recommended, Chitra. Right. So I went to the acupuncturist. I explained to her. Uh, she was also really kind because I was so desperate that when I called her, she said, I don't have any slots, but you know, after my work day, which is after 6 p.m., wow. if you come in, I will make time for you. Very because nice. I think, yeah, she heard, but it was also your recommendation. So thank you for that. No problem. But I think it, um, uh, for me, I really believe that triggered it hmm. because uh, I started bleeding that night. Uh, though it was so you were very, what, 41 weeks then? I was 41 weeks were 41 uh, at that uh, point in time. I was, in fact, 41 weeks and one day or two. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to be induced at 41 plus five days. There was also a, a date and an appointment fixed for the, the balloon sure. to be placed. But I started bleeding slightly. So I thought, hmm, maybe, you know, something's happening. But I didn't have any surges, uh, no contractions. So when I went in uh, to the hospital, because it was a weekend, to get myself checked because of the bleeding, they said, oh, it's probably, you know, nothing uh, it's not really um, your cervix opening up as yet. So you haven't gone into labor. So go home, rest, and hopefully it will happen soon. But two days passed and mm. uh, it I continued leaking a little bit of water and uh, some blood. But I think at 2.30 in the morning, the night uh, morning before the induction appointment, I truly went into labor, labor because right. I woke up. So from that my was like sleep. four days from the time you had the acupuncture treatment. Yeah, yeah, three days, three days. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So because I woke up, I mean, the, the previous night, uh, I still remember before we went to bed, uh, you know, I was cooking in the kitchen and I had a, a friend over. So I was cooking for him as well. And uh, we were talking and I said, yeah, you know, we need to plan for that day when the induction is planned because you know we are going in uh, to the hospital uh, I don't think the baby is coming uh, you know <laughs> tonight because I have now a few hours but I guess it really happens um, you know out of the blue when your body decides and the baby decides that she's ready to come out because uh, when I, I woke up in uh, pain and then uh, you know I did a few things without waking Gaurav up because it felt so different from the first time that I had contractions the pain felt mm. very different mm. so I kept telling myself no I don't think these are contractions. I don't think, uh, you know, so I, I sat on the uh, the toilet. I took a, a shower. Uh, it is 2.30 in the morning, but, uh, you know, none of these sure. things seem to help. Um, yeah. I still could feel uh, the the surges. Yeah. So then at one point in time, uh, God have woke up from uh, all the noises. And then uh, he said, what is happening? Um, are you uh, in labor? And I said, no, it's some, uh, you know, sort of pains. Uh, and he said, okay, so should we like, you know, measure the time between two contracts? 
subtractions or two pains yeah, yeah. and uh, i said uh, okay we were like scrambling to look for the app and you know we did that and it was about 7 or 8 minutes apart i can't really remember and he said okay i think we should call our friend who's going to come and be here to look after you know nana while we go to the hospital and at that point i was still telling him no i think you know we should stay home because uh, i think this this is very different type of pain this is not a you know, you know this is yeah. not something that i felt before yeah, yeah. so I, i don't think this is it and he was kind of <laughs> so i think he just decided to t- make an executive decision to call the friend over and uh, get the like you know and then i was still sleeping so yeah. she was yeah she was so fast she asleep she was in and... her room fast asleep uh, not disturbed by any of this so uh, we went uh, downstairs to the living room and i think by the time the friend got there hmm. then i started really feeling um, you know i was sort of on the floor trying to breathe through the surges I think at one point in time we were both a bit or at least got got also a little more panicky because we forgot to take the car seat which is like the most important thing <laughs> but then I remember also like we you know when we are leaving telling the friend don't worry I don't think this is uh, you know uh, this is these this are is contracts it, yeah. yeah I I'll be back in an hour so if you can just be here for an hour this is like I don't know 3 34 in the morning by the time he got there so <laughs> I think I was in some form of uh, uh, denial yeah. or uh, yeah but I think when I got to the hospital i was already about 4 cm dilated it took me some time i mean i was we were really happy to hear that uh, you know the baby is finally coming sure. and uh, we were so excited that uh, yay so this is going to be a, a you know a vaginal delivery potentially yeah. uh, we don't need to be induced but um, i think we waited for a, a few hours there was a, a change in the shift they got us to a room but there was a change in the shift of the the midwives but you were not having any surges at that time you know or but wait, I, wait, I kept mind. having the surges i mean i had the the pains it wasn't mild but it was uh, it was there were fewer and it was further further between. apart yeah, yeah okay I, i think also because um you know i think the getting into the car coming in sure. it changed a little bit of um, that thing for me by the time i got to the room and then we managed to turn down the lights and stuff and then you know it continued but when the morning midwife came and did a check she said that i was still sort of 4 to 5 cm dilated so i wasn't moving along fast enough and because i had had a c section before surgery before mm. she wanted to make sure that it sped up a little bit hmm. so she suggested some oxytocin and therefore also some pain medication then because she said the oxytocin will really intensify the pains so i did get um, epidural at at first the epidural didn't really work it worked only on one side mm. um, and then of course it uh, uh, they readjusted it and uh, you know the epidural worked so i think uh, for about between the 5 to and then you know after the the epidural i uh, listened to the the rainbow relaxation for me that was um, really uh, i mean it was an important part through my pregnancy every night i listened to it and everything it said i i never heard like you know the end of it because i always fell asleep midway through but i think for me that has uh, like instant power even now to just like you Fall know sleep <laughs> yeah and just like relax my mind right i was so relaxed and i guess i had also been a, a bit uh, exhausted from you know being up in the night and few hours of uh, the pain but um, i was so relaxed and i have this this natural correlation to listening to it and like being uh, asleep uh, and uh, i was out uh, for about i think 2 3 2 hours i think right and i guess my body was really 
really relaxed because then when they came back to check me, I had gone from five centimeters to nine centimeters. Wow. And uh, I said, okay, now I would like, you know, the epidural to be dialed down because the oxytocin was also going to be uh, turned off. And I said, I want to feel, uh, you know, the, the surges. And I was uh, discussing this with you earlier as well, Chitra, because for me, the one thing that I remember from the things that I heard uh, during the hypnobirthing, but also, you know, the things that we practiced was how I welcome each surge because it brings my baby closer to me. It has such an emotional connotation for me. Mm. It made me feel so good. So every time I, I was digging my nails into uh, Gaurav's arm, uh, each time there was a, a surge, I kept saying that out loud to him. And it made me feel really like this pain is worth the purpose uh, behind it. Because it, you're going to see your baby. She's going to be here anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the the fact that, you know, my body was doing this miraculous thing and, you know, the pain was just a, a byproduct of it. But, you know, what came out of it was my baby. It's so special, that feeling. Wow. And I kept saying that out loud with every, like, surge as they were coming also uh, faster and more furiously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think um, we reached a point where the midwife said, okay, you can now uh, like you know push we're ready she put on her gloves and uh, you know she got uh, ready and uh, I think the way she asked me to breathe and some of the things that she told me as like a, a preamble before the you know that the last phase was very like it resonated completely with the things that we had discussed in class and for me that built trust factor because I, I fully trusted the things that uh, you had said during the the course and the the way the hypnobirthing breathing really helps and she was saying things that really matched with wow. what uh, we had learned and for me I think that made me trust the midwife inherently you know I was in this like this haze of uh, not being able to really make decisions or anything but in mm. my brain it like made a connect between what she was saying and what I knew to do right. and it made such a big difference in how much I trusted what she was saying Amazing. so when she said stop I stopped when she said push breathe uh, you know each of the things I could follow her blindly and it was a great decision. She was a really great midwife. Amazing. Um, I had because you, we, uh, that's probably the first time you've actually met her because, you know, she's a clinical midwife from the hospital. Exactly. Yeah. And But I was able to build uh, an instant trust factor with her for Gaurav as well. Right. Uh, you know, to know that uh, this is someone who is giving me the right instructions, uh, right. so to say. But I think... So very collaborative. Yeah. You know? It's not about just the midwife sitting next to you and saying, okay, one, two, three, push. It was also about, okay, giving you the overview of what was happening but also looking at you and saying okay breathe now if you breathe then you know this will happen this way so I yeah. think it's, it's very important that you have the trust with that midwife to yeah. be able to do and this. And also telling you that if you do this then this will happen if you don't uh, you know make sure that you breathe don't like you know push because then it'll tear yeah. so you know like telling you why that they're telling you something that makes such a difference to how much you believe or you want to do what someone tells you right especially as a an independent woman who wants to feel uh, you know strong and of course <laughs> Um, so I think for me that the midwife like made a, a world of difference in terms of like you know how she said it and the fact that I could trust her with similar types of um, sort of instructions right and I think the most uh, precious part of that uh, entire thing was after you know she had uh, Dia uh, this uh, baby she had come out halfway through the midwife said okay now mommy and daddy hold her and pull her out and we were like what 
what do you mean and she said yeah like you know hold and pull her out hold each shoulder under her shoulder and pull her out and we said okay and so gaurav and i actually held one wow. uh, you know shoulder each i think the midwife had a little bit of uh, you know help as well and we sort of pulled her out of uh, you know uh, my wow. vagina and for me it was so precious it's one of those things at that moment in time it felt like just like get the baby out let her come out but now when i think back in hindsight it's such a precious memory of my baby and then of because course you're holding her f- while she was actually coming out of your you know of yeah, your vagina and she opening. like actually came, came out, out and uh, for me and then of course like you know the skin to skin and holding her and that you know that feeling uh, yeah i think this is why we have babies because nothing replaces that <laughs> for the sure feeling of holding them yeah. uh, but um, i think uh, that for me the entire experience it was such a positive experience one because i was able to actually accomplish a vaginal delivery which i i don't think in any other system uh, would have happened i think the the dutch system really helped but also you know the fact that i knew what to expect mm. uh, from the classes and you know how empowered i felt about making judgment calls and how empowered god i felt about being able to support me in certain decisions or things to uh, tell the midwife or the others you made it your own yeah it yeah. is a yeah. yeah super positive experience fantastic <laughs> fantastic you know i'm having goosebumps when you're actually you know so you know seeing this the whole story what i also wanted to ask you was how long did you stay in the hospital yeah. and how was it with uh, with the whole breastfeeding as a process and if you can sort of explain I know that you breastfed Nina as well. Yeah. And how was it with with Dia and how long did you stay and you know your experience with the crumbs org in the postpartum period and how was all of that? We didn't stay in hospital for very long. Uh so Dia was uh, healthy um uh, and uh, I was I had lost uh, a lot of uh, blood. Uh, okay. But I was Do you know um, what do you mean by a lot of blood? Yeah, I think half a liter of okay. blood. Yeah. Um, half a liter is considered more like a placental hemorrhaging. So Yeah. yeah. So yeah. um I uh, they asked me if I could go take a, a shower on right. my own and walk there on my own and I think I was I don't know running on adrenaline or uh, whatever so I managed to go take a a shower i think to you did it by yourself yeah to, you brave woman <laughs> <laughs> but taking the shower was okay but then uh wiping Getting myself up. after i found that part hard so i couldn't bend and i kept uh, shivering, shivering a little yeah. bit so then um the nurse helped me with um wiping myself and then putting on my uh, clothes so i think uh, they said rest for about an hour and then they asked me a lot of questions i think they meant to like have Ask. a conversation with me to see if i was mentally fully there so i think i had a, a normal conversation but i also spent about an hour with them doing a few stitches uh, with uh, some of i didn't have too much tearing but i did have uh, you know some yeah. so i think at the end of this uh, whole process maybe in about 3 hours after dia was born they said you're good to go if okay. you want to leave we also said it'll be nice if we can get there before um it was already like late in the the evening so we can get there and spend the night in our own home and have the crumbs or come the next day of course uh, so we went back in about 3 uh, hours after the shower and okay. everything okay um i i know that godev said and this was later he said when we got home he was really scared because i had lost enough blood for him to know that i could be woozy hmm. and if and we have a set of stairs to go up to the bedroom so he, he kept saying you know he had the thought but he never said it out loud what if 
I had fainted or something had mm. happened and mm. he was with like a newborn well, baby, baby in the car seat and, and, and me. Yeah. What would he have done or how would he have prioritized, you know, what sure. needed to be done? Sure. So that he said was a little scary for him. But for me, I was, while I was exhausted, I, I think the adrenaline was still like, you know, keeping in me going voice. because I, di- I wasn't like nervous at all about going home. In fact, I was glad that I was back in my comfort, uh, you know, area with uh, the baby and um, everything. So for me, it was more about, oh, I need to call and let my mom know that the baby is here. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. So, yeah, um, yeah. I just want to ask you this. You said that about half a liter of blood. So I'm assuming with placental birth, right? Or was it uh, was it even with childbirth that, you know, you'd already lost so much of blood? I think it was with the placental birth right. as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the placental birth, they gave me a, a short, short of, of oxytocin, oxytocin to, oxytocin to uh, well. yeah, yeah, get... Um, yeah, That's and, probably because, you know, you're already lost, you know, already you were losing blood, blood you know, yeah, with perhaps. the birth of the baby. So they probably wanted to be sure that they would actually give it to you. Do you remember if they asked you a consent for giving the synthetic oxytocin? So uh, we had put that in our... Uh, birthing plans in terms of asking for things and I remember them asking but I had also discussed that with Gaurav so he did yeah Yeah. so he said um, yeah no problem because they said can we give I mean you know we want to get the placenta out quickly so can we just give you a quick shot I think it was more of a we would like to give you a a shot of oxytocin and Gaurav said yeah that's okay and it really helped because I think Gaurav and I we had discussed these things based on the fact that you know he had said that they would ask us these things and we had said yeah getting the placenta out as long as Leah's with us and sure. I'm holding her then it doesn't matter so it was you know it was definitely something that the both of you had discussed and then you know Garo was making those decisions yes. as well so yeah. that's very good yeah and I mean I was just holding the I was yeah. attempting to feed her the right. breastfeeder so I, at least I put her to my breast uh, right. I don't know if she was doing something right. uh, at that moment in time I can't remember if it was breastfeeding or nibbling or <laughs> yeah but um, I think the placenta came out fairly quickly I okay. remember her just like pressing my belly after the oxytocin and like sort of creating um, like a, a wave of my flabby belly at that moment and you know the placenta coming out but it was also hilarious because she like held up the placenta and said can we keep it can we have your consent to keep it because we'd like to keep this as a a medical thing because it was a a double placenta oh wow Uh, yeah so she said you know it's usually in the case of twins right Um, that they would have double placenta yeah but uh, with one uh, baby I had a a so they could actually use it yeah well done So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but I think uh, the Kramsog experience for us was also fantastic. Yeah, uh, I love the system in the Netherlands of the the Kramsorg. Uh, she came, she took over. You know, a lot of things with respect to also, it's only after the baby is here, is she growing? Has she pooped? Is this the, you know, the right color? <laughs> the All of the, the questions that you have. While you've gone through, while I had gone through one postpartum, like one baby already, still felt like completely new. And you're sure. also, I guess your hormones are aging. You're like, uh, you know, very nervous about different things. So she really helped through that process. She even made like breakfast for me, you know, giving me a bowl of warm oats and things like that. So I think it really made me feel... Uh, good about having the crumbs out yeah she was there for not the entire period because she said, you know, the baby's doing okay. There's also a shortage of, uh, you know, uh, Kramzog, unfortunately. hours. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she had to go to another family, but it was a, a very nice experience. Yeah. And, and how is it for you having Dia and also managing Naina? Because sometimes you also feel a bit incapacitated in a way, not being there for the older yeah. one. How did you feel and how did you manage those emotions? I think um, there's a, a guilt associated <laughs> with it. <laughs> we mums have it, you know. <laughs> 
there's guilt in everything yeah no but sadly you feel like you're not spending enough time yeah. uh, at least at the start i didn't ha- have the energy as well i think days and nights sort of merge mm. so uh, while nena's school and that process continued i think godev took over completely right. so he's a great dad with her yeah. he does um, everything even now but um, i think uh, at that point in time he took over everything from you know when she starts her day to packing her lunch to school to when she comes back so she had a routine yeah so you know that that could have also sort of like helped her sort of feel like i'm not you know not getting the attention because there's a new baby because i have this routine Correct. with one of the parent and it's very important absolutely yeah. so i think the routine was maintained god have managed to keep that irrespective of him not having enough sleep as well i felt guilty about not being there in the morning to say good morning for example like i would wake up uh, you know in that haze and by the time i woke up she was already in school so i had some of those things but i think the recovery for me was so much quicker of course than a c section and it was thankfully because i didn't have too much tearing and while sure. i had you know the pains and this time around i had a few decisions that i had made like mm. for example if the cramps were said it was okay for me to take paracetamol a certain quantity at a certain time i didn't feel guilty about taking it Good. i said i would manage my pain because if i'm not happy i can't keep my baby absolutely happy. and i think that made a, a big difference i was also i mean the first time around with breastfeeding and you asked about that there was a lot of guilt associated around is she getting enough milk am i able to feed her properly uh, not supplementing with formula because that was so wrong and i mean you know in terms of what people had told me it took me a long time to accept that you know at some point in time with nena she had a tongue tie so i was pumping and feeding her and you know a lot of those things which were new and different sure with dia i had already planned in advance that I had a box of formula board I had a pump I had you know all of the different were, options right and I said it doesn't matter as long as I am able to give time and love to both my kids because now I need to like you know uh, I, I don't know if it's divide my heart with more like my heart has become two but my exactly. like hands remain <laughs> only two <laughs> only two <laughs> but I I really uh, want to make sure that you know I have I spend time uh, with the kids and that's more important than anything I else. think it was a very um, what do you call very well thought out decision as well because most of the time we're also still in the haze of like yes breastfeeding is the best thing that we can do but what happens if that doesn't happen and there yeah. is that guilt that associates with it yeah. then it's so much more harder so yeah. but it's also very very hard you know to make those decisions at the time no but you try fully agree because i think the first i mean despite all of these things that i had decided my milk took a little bit of time to come in and i remember on day 3 the cramsorg said how about i give her some formula and because i think it's uh, good to supplement with a little bit of formula while your milk comes in and i remember thinking what i bought the box but that doesn't mean i want to give her formula mm. and in my head you know it, like the practical logical like decisions had been made before but at that moment in time there's a lot of guilt associated with it which is um, i mean i think it's silly right as long as the baby is well fed and well looked after it doesn't matter so i mean i still do manage to do a combination of formula feed and breastfeeding right now and that continues i think the thing that changed between my first pregnancy and the second or the first uh, baby and the second is uh, the lack of guilt in yeah. how i do it yeah. i say i want to make sure that while my babies are healthy and happy i stay healthy and happy Absolutely. and pumping into late hours in the night or attempting to breastfeed and the baby crying because there is not enough milk and uh, you know me saying no but i will just keep her at my breast the whole time and you know uh, all of that is really really hard yeah. you know i had one mother as part of the podcast and she basically said she was pumping and actually feeding her child because she would found it really hard to be breastfeeding 
And she apparently was talking to a therapist about this, saying that I'm feeling so guilty that I'm pumping and feeding, but it's exhausting for me. I'm not having any sort of sleep. And the therapist basically asked her, saying that if this is not you, and if this was your best friend who was actually going through this, what would you advise her? Yeah. What would you tell her? <laughs> you know, she said that, you know, I would be extremely supportive of what she's doing, but I would also tell her that if you would get some sleep and if it is good for your mental health, why won't you take that help? Yeah. And she said, why is it that you're not doing that for yourself? It's such a small but very profound thing for us to sort of think about. If we don't take care of ourselves, and this is something that we always hear when we fly, put your oxygen mask first so that then, then you can actually help your co-passenger. <laughs> the same thing. But I think this is where the partner Sugoitiv comes into play. Yeah. Because while all of this logic makes absolute sense in hindsight, in, uh, you know, foresight, when it actually comes to the situation, I think your emotions and that your hormones over. are so uh, all over the place. It's very hard to make a logical decision. decision. And yeah. this is why having a partner who supports you and who you've had these discussions with prior to the yeah. baby yeah. Um, comes into play because then, you know, I had Gaurav telling me, it's okay. It's not like, you know, the end of the world. It, it makes no difference in terms of sure. her health. Yeah, what is really important is that, you know, you recover quickly, that you're there, you can take the kids to the park, you can, you know, play with them. A lot of the things that comes in the future doesn't matter right now if, you know, one night you've given her a formula feed or for the rest of her, like, you know, child, um, no, in whatever, she's a baby, you give her formula. So none of these things really matter and we've discussed this. So don't worry about it, right? right? If you can you can if you can't you can't yeah. and if you really want and to being flexible about it yeah. yeah if you want to breastfeed then I know or you want to pump then I will wash the pump so I think having a Amazing. partner in crime in this makes a, a humongous difference exactly and while it's exhausting for the partner more so than for yourself I think yeah. because that partner is not just supporting you emotionally and uh, physically but, but also handling like the the load of uh, you know without telling you without having to yeah. uh, having a, a, an opportunity running to a house right yeah. and also like logistically taking care of everything but also giving you the space and the comfort to be able to sort of vent and cry and be emotional about it so that you know and it's it's a lot of load you know the onus on the partner is a lot um so i think yeah well done gaurav i think he really (laughs) i think he really sort of like he was there you know to be able to actually take care of all of that and i know that you know you being a working mother you had to transition back into work. And how has that been for you? And the difference between after Naina's birth and how now with yeah. Dia's birth and what sort of went on? Because, you know, Dia's going to turn one yeah. very soon. So we're talking about a year's time now. Yeah. So how are you coping? So it's not only that postpartum period, right? The 12 or 16 weeks or 18 weeks, but it's also that continues after. Yeah. So how have you coped? Um, I think both Gautam and I have sort of given up on too much me time. <laughs> but um, I think uh, with uh, after Nana, uh, I had a longer maternity period right. uh, with Nana. And so when I went back to work, I think I was in a, a more ready place mm. uh, to be back at work and, mm. you know, dedicate time. With the, the Dutch system, I feel like the three months plus I took an additional month was really insufficient. Yeah. Um, more than anything, I mean, it's not about being physically capable to go back to work but I think mentally I was really not uh, ready I felt very much like you know um, either that I wasn't going to be successful enough because I just couldn't dedicate uh, you know enough brain space towards my work but also just the, the guilt of leaving her with a nanny 
I, I didn't feel like I was confident enough to let her be. But right. there's also then the pumping, the feeding, the all of those things, which sure. I mean, you know, it's I am the, the bottleneck in that sure. uh, process. So I think the four months uh, maternity period was really insufficient. But I think my company has been super supportive about letting me sort of ease back in. Right. So I think the first few months I, I didn't go back to hectic work. So work was, um, a lot more. It felt more part time. Right. Um, I was able to balance the, the two worlds. Right. But I think over time, now that she's almost a year old, we've really managed to get into a schedule. Okay. So of course it's a, like a tight running ship, right? <laughs> so we know like when we wake up, when we like cook, when we, um, you know, like take them to uh, activities, play dates, all of these things, school, daycare. Of course we have, um, a nanny, uh, who comes Very in uh, nice. once a week plus we have uh, daycare yeah. but I think we finally managed to get into uh, a system right. where Gaurav and I both have time to do some of the things that we like to do the Very sports nice. and other things but we also get some time with each other and um, you know the kids are in a place where they can well I won't say play with each other but mm. spend time with each other and I can leave them in a room and close the door and at least take a 30 minute like you know time out uh, right. to do something Very nice. so I think we've got into at least that thing yeah. so um, and, and then as a, a really great a big sister Fantastic. I think uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really, really lovely. Yeah. Um, but um, but also in terms of sleep deprivation, because, you know, <laughs> that is the big one, right? Yeah. No, but I think this is what I was, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard this, Chitra, but I'm sure you empathize that, uh, you know, motherhood is truly a social experiment in uh, knowing how women can function without sleep. Clearly. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I think we all function and thrive without sleep. Dia continues to be a, a relatively poor sleeper. Nana was really uh, a poor sleeper as well right. so I think I we expected it but as you get older irrespective <laughs> of how much you plan and expect it it's, it's still uh, hard. so hard but I think I mean despite the uh, sort of sporadic um, bursts of sleep that we get in the times that we are up we've managed to survive Very nice. <laughs> and thrive we've yeah. uh, managed to do um, you know things continue to keep high energy, have a uh, social life. So have friends over, meet friends, go out. Uh, so I think we've managed to do that. But sleep deprivation is real, right? And I think in the first few months, it hits you a lot more than before. Yeah. And as you get older, it's definitely um, has higher impact. I do hope that this, like the one year mark is going to help stabilize some of that, uh, the sleep deprivation. And I will go back to uh, um, sleeping yeah. at least six hours in a stretch. <laughs> um, but it's also funny because I just received this forward, right. uh, which said, uh, I finally got eight hours of sleep. It was over two days, but you That's know, fine. whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think it's just, um, you know, catching up on sleep as they sure. get older. But um, it yeah. feels, um, I, I hate to sound like a cliche but it feels worth it <laughs> yes absolutely so I think we're sort of slowly coming to the end of this podcast episode but I also want to ask you if there is somebody who is preparing for a vaginal birth after a c-section what are the three things that you would actually say to sort of think about you know in terms of how you would prepare yourself for labor and birth preparing for different eventualities and also postpartum because managing the older child and also helping the the older one to sort of like you know embracing the fact that the little one will be here and yeah. it's not like a toy the, you know the baby will be here for like three days and they're like okay it all self now fancy. I'm bored okay I'm bye bored. No, okay bye exactly so what are the three things or any it doesn't matter it doesn't have yeah. to be three but what would you actually suggest I think um, the first one, and uh, I mean, I have a friend who, uh, you know, went through it and I had this uh, conversation with her was um, 
It's really to be kind to yourself. Yes. Um, I think it's really important that uh, you want a, a vaginal delivery. Great. I really wanted one. There are uh, points in time when it can happen. But if you are, if I had, you know, if they had decided to come one day later, I would have already been induced. And there's a possibility that it could have resulted in a C-section. So I think be kind to yourself, irrespective of what path the birthing takes. And it does not matter because at the end of the day, your baby will be with you. And as long as he or she is healthy, um, you know, it really doesn't matter. I think the the second one is to be empowered. And I think this, irrespective of whether it is a, a second time parent or a first time parent, I tell everyone that the pregnancy and the, the birthing process feels very different, irrespective of how many times you do it. It's um, I think it, every time it's a different experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And knowing what your options are, knowing that, you know, just because the first time it was super smooth or the first time it was super rough doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be the second time around. So knowing information is power, knowing what you uh, your options are, knowing the medical system, uh, knowing where you can say yes and no, I think it's really powerful. And I think that is something that I have also been advising a lot of our friends who are pregnant that they should do the, the childbirthing course, especially with you, Chitra, because it oh. really made us feel uh, like we knew what we were getting into mm. uh, and helped us plan accordingly. The last one in terms of, you know, also preparing maybe your uh, your uh, older child, children. Uh, for us, it really was about, you know, like basketball man-to-man market. <laughs> So, you know, each parent takes one. <laughs> so, uh, we made a decision beforehand. And again, this was very uh, much in discussions, um, you know, and we like to, uh, I like to plan. And we had a lot of discussions on what are the things that we typically do. Hmm. Uh, also with keeping routine uh, for the older one making sure that we prepare her well in terms of what to expect, the gift that, you know, the baby would give and things like that. Hmm. And I think um, some of these things I heard from others and my mother as well, which I think made a huge difference, which is when the baby is born, of course, the baby needs to eat, the diaper needs to be changed, needs to sleep. But he or she really has minimum needs from an emotional standpoint other than having to be picked up she doesn't realize yet about uh, you know the more complex emotions like jealousy exactly and so it's really important that you give as much attention as possible to the older one yeah and so we tried to do that so when you know dia came into the house we had already had a gift prepared so we said look she's got you a gift and she's coming so you know it was something that she had always wanted so you know she opened it and she was really happy for that we continued to give her as much attention. So in fact, after the initial like, you know, phase where I was like super exhausted in the evenings after she came back from school, Gaurav would sort of take over with um, uh, Dia and I would spend time with Nena sitting with Fantastic. her while she was eating dinner, giving her a, a shower, uh, reading her so a bedtime one story. Routine, exactly. With so there her. was one part of her day where it was me and I got to spend time with her and then I would go back uh, to the baby and I never at any point in time and and this, I think I still try to consciously do it. Never tell I cannot do something because Dia needs my time. So uh, Dia needs uh, to be fed. So I cannot uh, read a story to you. I try and make up another excuse if it is indeed sure. like that. But I, I never make her feel like she's missing out on something because there's you someone else care taking for, her yeah, attention. Time, yeah. um, but and I think the last thing was also Great. really making sure that she was part of the, the routine, right? Mm. So when we were changing a, a, like a diaper, I 
would say, can you like entertain her? Because every time she sees you, she's smiling and then I can, you know, change her diaper easily. Very uh, nice. Because so you basically time, made her part of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I made her feel like, you know, she like, oh, when if you are with her, then she will like, you know, laugh and play and sit in her, her crib. So let me, uh, you know, can you be with her while I go to the sh- uh, shower? Because otherwise, you know, she would cry. So make her feel as uh, special and important and wanted. Because I think, I mean, this is true in our jobs as well, right? If yeah. someone is always <laughs> telling you, I think you do a fantastic job. I truly believe in what you do. Then, you know, you feel, you like, feel like you want yeah, to, to do it. sense of ownership. So. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's just absolutely wonderful. I'm going to close this conversation by saying thank you very, very much for being here. And thank you so much for sharing your story because I sort of like capture as a repository all these different stories on my podcast so that people can actually listen to some of these experiences and think that it's not too far-fetched for them and anybody can actually do this, provided that they know what their options are and how they prepare themselves. And also another thing that I always say is that if we go out to say buy a TV or a refrigerator, we do all our research to find out what is it that we want. And we need to actually do double the amount of that research and work for us when we are pregnant so that we know what our options are so that we come out of that experience as such a positive one that we will look back at that experience as something that we always cherish and love rather than wondering, I don't know why exactly I did that, you know. Sometimes some, some of those situations may arise, but you always have the power to change those things by knowing what your rights are and this is exactly one of those stories where it's extremely empowering for people to actually listen to your birth story so thank you for being here thank and you for having me Chitra not at all. it's such a pleasure thank you to all of you my lovely listeners for tuning into my podcast I hope you found this episode informative if you really like my podcast then please do subscribe for more such episodes please feel free to share the podcast with your family and friends And this will help others know that this podcast exists. Thank you once again and see you all next time.